Welcome back to Pastorally Correct. I'm Chris McLaughlin, and I wanted to revisit the conversation that we had last week. Last week, we looked at how we measure healthy churches, and I wanted to share some additional thoughts I had on that. As you walked away from listening to the podcast last week, I hope that the takeaway you had wasn't that we cannot have any uh, measurable objectives as it relates to what a healthy church is. I had said that there is no algorithm that we can simply just plug in a few numbers or a few uh, bits of information and from there we get a printout that says, well, yes, this is a healthy church or that isn't. It is a little bit more involved than that to some degree. Walking away from listening to the podcast last week, I hope that you took away that there are core components that every healthy church possesses, that we can measure the health of a church using objective criteria. For instance, uh, and again, building off of last week, and if you haven't listened to it, I encourage you to go back and to do so. But last week we had noted that uh, healthy churches submit to the full counsel of God's word. And so, just as a general principle there, if you walk into a a church and you say, well, they do so many things right, they're really passionate about outreach, and they really care about uh, evangelism, maybe even put that in quotes, and their music ministry is is fantastic, but the pastor doesn't preach from the Bible at all. He kind of gets up front, he shares a few stories, and that's good enough for, for us. Well, that, of course, is not a spiritually healthy church, even if they are filled to the brim with people, even if the music is lively, even if they do a lot of events. And I know you're thinking, that doesn't happen. There's no church like that. Well, back up a few years in, in my life, and I visited a church in Arizona. I was visiting my grandfather with my brother and my dad. And we stepped into a church, and my dad introduced me as a pastor. And I never introduced myself that way. Like, I'm the Reverend Chris McLaughlin. Uh, that's just not what I do. So my dad introduces me as a pastor, and this pastor shakes my hand. And he says, I bet I'm not a pastor like you. And I said, okay. And not really sure where he was going with that. And he said, well, I don't really teach from the Bible. I just share some stories. And I kind of chuckled along because I thought he was, you know, joking, of course. Well, I listened to this man's uh, sermon, if I could describe it that way generously. And at no point did he use the Bible. So he wasn't kidding at all. It wasn't a joke or a punchline. It was just simply the fact. Well, uh, that would not be representative of a healthy church. Among those other components were uh, components such as uh, worshiping Jesus Christ. The core reason we gather together is to worship Jesus, to make disciples of all the nations, making disciples who worship Jesus, who in turn will reproduce in yet a third spiritual generation who worship Jesus Christ and make more disciples. The goal is not to build an organization or to build a brand to promote ourselves. It's to worship Jesus. By the way, that's why we gather together on a Sunday morning, because Jesus rose from the dead. So we gather together in victory, uh, worshiping the risen Lord. There are several other components that I addressed last week and I'd love to have you visit those. It's important that we see that as a body, though, of components, that each healthy church possesses each component. You are not a part of a spiritually healthy church if the church doesn't worship Jesus, or if they don't encourage you to exercise your spiritual gifts, or if they lack evangelistic zeal, or if they don't submit to the full counsel of God's Word, among the other components that I had shared. Understanding those core components is so important because it protects us from assessing the spiritual health of a church using preferences.
this. Well, this church would be so much healthier if they sang the worship songs in the style that I prefer. Well, that's not a measure of spiritual health in a, in a church, nor is, for instance, the translation that is used. Now, I do think that that can be a symptom, and throughout the course of our discussions, I'm sure we will dive into translations, and there can certainly be some symptoms represented, but we need to be very cautious that we don't use preferences as the measuring stick for the spiritual health of a gathering. Also, I had shared last week that there is a blessing in plurality of eyes, ears, and mouths. In other words, it's such a blessing that we have members of our spiritual leadership team who can assess the core components of what it means to be a spiritually healthy church, and they can share how they perceive the spiritual health of the church to be in a setting that is conducive to it. I'm going to talk a little bit more about that in just a few moments. Now, this is important because it protects us from sample bias. And so uh, with that, we look at one symptom of a healthy church or uh, what we hope to see as a symptom of a healthy church. And we walk in and, and maybe uh, we're passionate about spiritual, we're passionate about good, sound biblical teaching. And I hope that you are from the pulpit. And so we are very passionate about that. And perhaps that's all that we see. And so we're not really focusing on the other components. Uh, maybe your gift, your spiritual gift is teaching. And so you're really fascinating and that fascinated about that component. And so uh, for you, you might walk out of the out of the worship service and think, well, this is such a spiritually healthy church because the preaching is sound. And it very well may be. But there might be other components there that are light lacking. And so there might be uh, needed improvement for that church to realize its full spiritual health. Well, when we have different perspectives, we're able to see a bigger picture and it adds clarity to it. And so I had shared last week that there was a blessing in that. And I wasn't trying to share that, like, when we gather together, we just have these various viewpoints and we can't know for sure whether or not a church is healthy. No, I'm saying that having more eyes and ears and what's happening in a church family helps us to gather together and to assess whether we actually are meeting all of those core components that are representative of a healthy church. With that, I, I wanted to talk a little bit more about this topic and, and dive into it and how we assess and how we measure the spiritual health of a local church. Well, one of the things that I, I think is important as we assess that, I'm, I'm going to share three primary principles today as we measure a healthy church that we can build upon. And the first would be that we need to have a, a church leadership team that's focused on Christ discipleship, uh, so disciple making. These are, these are beliefs and values that ought to be representative of the spiritual leadership in our church. If our, if our church boards are filled with people who are not very spiritual, who lack spiritual depth, who, you know, inherited a title or responsibilities, or perhaps if you're part of a church that doesn't even have any kind of qualifications, we don't ask, uh, perhaps the church doesn't ask people on leadership teams to agree with the doctrine of the local church and, and a church covenant that binds the body together. If a church lacks those sort of, of, um, of gatekeeping uh, objectives, then what ends up happening or what could happen, uh, unfortunately, is that you could have leaders who are not very spiritually healthy. Now, if people in leadership are not spiritually healthy, how are they ever going 
to assess the spiritual health of a church. In fact, they're probably not even going to think much about it. They're going to think about the health of the church in terms of, well, what what is our church attendance? What is the budget and how much money is coming in? What what is the status of our of our tithes and offerings? Now, again, those are symptoms that can be assessed and should be assessed by all as we consider the spiritual health of a church. So the spiritual health of a church is not less than those things, but it is far more than those things. And so if you have a a leadership team that does not consider anything beyond those values or those measuring sticks, then we are falling short of really beginning to assess the spiritual health of a local church. Additionally, uh, we need to have these individuals in spiritual leadership who are mature believers, who are growing in the faith, who have demonstrated qualities that are consistent with the offices that they maintain. These individuals need to have a perspective uh, that is appropriate. So these are individuals who desire to build up the body. They can assess symptoms, but they do so from the lens of those who understand seasons in ministry. There are seasons in ministry of rest. All of us want to be go, go, go all the time, especially in today's culture. But there are times in a church where so many people in the leadership team are so worn down that it is okay to have a season of rest and replenishment. There are seasons of getting deeper, of creating programs uh, and and plans such as as disciple-making programs. How are we going to create a disciple-making model within this church? How are we going to help somebody who is a new believer, who's an immature Christian, understand uh, basic truths about God's word, and they need to if they're going to grow as Christians. How do we help them understand spiritual disciplines like reading and studying the Bible, um, applying it to their daily lives, having a healthy prayer life? How do we come alongside them and help them discover their spiritual gifts? How do we empower them to make disciples? As we consider those sort of things, sometimes we have seasons where we have to step back and evaluate Do we have a a process in place to do that? And if we don't, this is a season to build those sort of things. This is a season to to train up new leaders. And then, of course, there are seasons of growth, numerical and spiritual alike, uh, alike. Seasons where we see those seasons of hard work, of rest, of recovery, of planning ahead and trusting in faith and prayer that God's going to do some exciting things where we see those prayers realized in a tangible way. And those are exciting times. So you have spiritual leaders who desire to build build up the body, who understand symptoms for what they are within the context of seasons, and we have church leadership who desire to multiply disciple makers. So they want to see more disciples who worship Jesus invest in a third spiritual generation who will in turn make disciples who will worship Jesus Christ. And so when you have a church leadership team that views ministry through those lenses, that is spiritually mature and deep, when you have that sort of perspective on a spiritual leadership team, then when you sit down and you ask, are we a spiritually healthy church? How do you assess our prayer? How do you assess the the teaching in this congregation? How do you assess what God is doing here in this congregation and where he wants to lead us? Then you are able to have really healthy conversations. That is such an important part of a healthy church, that you have healthy, spiritually mature church leadership. 
And again, without that, you do not have a spiritually healthy church. As you begin to sit down and have those conversations, though, this is the second principle. If you're in church leadership, you need to create an environment conducive to dialogue and honest assessment. So I'm a pastor. If if uh, I have a Sunday church service and I, I preach through a sermon, and at the end of the day, as I'm walking out of the congregation, if people shake my hand and say, well, that was that was well done, pastor. That was a good job or great sermon today. Does everybody like to hear those sort of things? Sure. We all like words of affirmation. We like to be encouraged. In turn, we like to return the glory to Jesus and say, thank you, Lord, for the gifting you have given me. I pray that you are glorified through your use of me as your instrument. With that stated, though, everybody can receive praise and everybody wants to receive affirmation, but there are times where we need critiques. There are times where we need to have input from others. And sometimes that can be painful. I remember years ago, uh, I had an assessment done by a diaconate board. This is when I was uh, pastoring a, a, a different church. And I had a deaconess on the board who had measured many of the areas that they try to quantify my giftedness as a pastor. She had she had checked off many things favorably, but when it came to preaching, she marked it as, as a negative. She stated that it was very weak. And I was taken back by that. I hadn't heard a lot of words like that uh, prior to that. And so I was shocked at first, and then I was a little discouraged. And so I followed up with her and I said, what, what don't you like about, about my preaching? And she gave me some really good insights and they were they were accurate. And at first that was more painful because I wished they were something I could just simply dismiss and say, oh no, this isn't that big of a deal. But they were accurate. And and so I took what she had stated and it took me a little time to process it. I'd be honest with you. I didn't respond just immediately and change things and respond in full humility and say, oh, I'm, I'm wrong and I need to make this improvement right away. I would love to be able to tell you that's the truth. Instead, I had to kind of internalize that process and I came to a place where I said, you know, there's a lot of truth in what she's saying. And I began to uh, adjust, not what I was teaching, not the content, but the way that it was delivered. What we need, we need environments that are conducive to people sharing honest assessments, because the reality is that if people see that perhaps corporate prayer is lacking in a church family, or they see that evangelistic zeal is lacking, and they say, you know, we haven't even really talked about spiritual discipline. Well, the preaching is okay, but we're talking a lot about trying harder and we're not talking about walking in the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And so the sermon lacks ev evangelistic uh, and an evangelical tone to it. And uh, that's Hayden Robinson as he assessed sermons. That's one of the standards that he puts up on the criteria for whether or not a sermon's good. Uh, well, if, if people are able, if people are able to share those things, then the then the healthy church is able to respond to that because they can hear it, they can listen, they can make adjustments, they can improve. But if people feel as though their viewpoint doesn't matter, or that there's such a domineering spirit in the room when they sit down, or there's a, a such a spirit of divisiveness and, and an unwillingness to listen, that people don't share. And not only do they not share in that gathering, but people who are spiritually deep and spiritually mature, they step off boards like that because they just become so frustrated by the fact that what they see as a sign of, of spiritual laziness or 
of spiritual weakness is not being addressed, that it grieves them to their core. We never want to be churches like that. We want to create environments conducive to dialogue and honest assessment. And so to contribute to that, if I could just encourage you, if you're part of a spiritual leadership team, we need to always be looking and evaluating our hearts and asking, Lord, am I where I need to be? Lord, search my heart. Know me. Test me. See if I am where I ought to be. Lord, help me to have discernment to be honest. We need to approach meetings like that in humility. God, if I hear something today that is unfavorable, help me not to respond in the moment. Help me to be quick to listen and and so slow to speak. Help me not to give a knee-jerk reaction. Encourage people in the body. Speak to their gifting. Speak to the way that they see uh, the spiritual health of a church. There's somebody who's a great prayer warrior. Encourage them in that. Ask them for their input. Sometimes people just don't feel as though their viewpoint even matters. Well, it's only the pastor, only his perspective that matters. No, that's not the case. If you're part of a spiritual leadership team in a church, and by the way, if you're part of any church, you're a member of any church, you should be able to speak freely to your pastor, to those in spiritual leadership in an appropriate way. That doesn't mean posting something on Facebook. I think this church, no. Approach somebody one-on-one, talk to them about the symptoms that you see, get feedback from that, hear what they have to say. And if they have clarifying remarks, don't assume that they're speaking from a place of weakness or of pride, but try to understand where they're coming from as well and just have a healthy dialogue. It's amazing what God can do through those conversations. And the third is listen well. If you're part of a spiritual leadership team and you want to assess what's happening in the body, you need to learn to listen well. This is something that I continue to to strive for and I pray God continues to make me a better listener. When I talk about listening, I'm not just talking about listening to what people are saying. So that, that sort of feedback, the strengths and the weaknesses that they see uh, in the church family but instead to listen to the place from which they are sharing. Why does somebody perceive the spiritual health of the body to be a certain way? There are some who might have a very limited perspective, and so they don't have all the information, but they hear a rumor, and they make an assumption about the body based on a rumor or based on limited information that they have. Of course, that perspective is going to be limited, and we should view it as such. In fact, if somebody comes with a concern like that, If you hear that somebody's sharing a concern like that, you should approach them and clarify that to the best of your ability and try to clear up what you can so long as that which is being discussed is, of course, not confidential in some way, but to begin to to address the context from which they are sharing. But if somebody is sharing something about the spiritual health of the church and it doesn't seem like it makes sense, you're not hearing that sort of feedback from others, I always like to ask somebody why they perceive the spiritual health of the church to be the way that they perceive it to be. Like, what is the rationale behind the, the emotion that you have related to this component of the church? So why is it that you perceive this church uh, is failing in corporate prayer? Or why is it that you think that there are cliques in the local church or whatever it might be? And I like to hear the background of somebody's life and the perspective from which they share it. Years ago, I was pastoring a church and I was told about a woman who I was told is always divisive. This woman is divisive. Every time she talks about the church, she speaks unfavorably about it. And uh, and so I was new to that church and I was very interested in kind of understanding why she had the concerns that she had. And so I went and visited with her and 
I talked to her for about an hour and it kind of dawned on me why she often raised concerns, especially when changes happened in the church. It wasn't because she hated the direction of the church or she thought it was so unhealthy. It was because she was a widow. She had attended church with her husband for several decades in that church, and they always sat in the same pew together. And when her husband passed, she had to move from her house. Her children lived far away. The only thing she still had was the church. And so when changes happened in the church, it was like walking inside of her living room and moving furniture around or opening her fridge and moving things around or taking pictures off her personal wall because that was the one place that she had that was still home for her. Well, that started to make sense. Why is she opposed to change? Why does she perceive every change as being representative of being spiritually unhealthy? Well, she perceived that to be taking something away from the memory that she had of her husband. Well, of course, we still had to make changes to the church because you can't just get, now you continue to preach the same gospel, of course, but the way that you go about ministry might change uh, generation by generation. When you walk into a chain of restaurants today or a restaurant chain, uh, you might see that they serve the exact same food, but the packaging is very different. That's the reality of the world. It changes, the packaging changes, the way that we communicate the message. I'm speaking on a podcast. These didn't exist 30 years ago. Um, these sort of things change and we stay up to date with the time. So changes had to happen. But what I found is that when I approached her and I said, you know, the church that you love so much, the values that you maintained regarding this church, the things your husband was passionate about, that you're passionate about, we're building upon that legacy. And this is what God is doing through this church right now. And here's how I believe we can build upon that foundation and move forward. And she always bought in. She was so excited about what God was doing in the church. But it but we had to listen to what she was actually saying and the and the context from which she was speaking as well. As God's people, we want to encourage those in our churches to share what they see. We want them to share from a healthy perspective, to be spiritually minded people, to be Christ honoring people. We want those who gather together in our churches to desire to worship Jesus Christ, to be part of churches that submit to the full counsel of God's word, who overflow with evangelical zeal, who are united in doctrine and in love. We want churches like that. We want believers in the local church to have that perspective as well. Do we care enough? Do we love them enough? to create an environment conducive to them sharing what they see in healthy ways? And do we respond in appropriate ways as those in church leadership? When that sort of dialogue exists in a local church, you can be sure that that church is going to increasingly be healthy, which means they are going to increasingly be churches that create disciples who worship Jesus Christ. And that's what we all desire. Well, I look forward to talking a little bit more about church health next week. That'll be the last part on this specific topic. And then we're going to dive into a new prompt. But it's been a lot of fun to dive into this. May the Lord bless you. Mm -hmm.